Recording Teachers, the podcast sharing insights into being and becoming a teacher. I'm your host, Narelle Lemon, a professor in education at Swinburne University of Technology in Melbourne, Australia. I'm curious and I love to use this strength to find out more. So what better way to support others and to create this podcast to be able to gain insights and perspectives from colleagues and friends. This is Series 7 and I'm joined by five pre-service teachers who are currently undertaking a study tour and global practicum supported by the new Colombo Plan. We are recording as we are experiencing our time in Kaching, in Sarawak, Malaysia, Borneo. I'm so excited about this series, something a little different. So make a cup of tea and find a comfy place to sit or pop those earbuds in and go for a walk as you listen to Rachel, Lisa, Taylor, Steve and Lewis share their insights into and about being and becoming a teacher. this very special episode of Teachers Supporting Teachers. I'm here in Kaching, Sarawak, Malaysia, Borneo, and we're sitting in a cafe, Borneo Coffee Cafe, enjoying the sounds of nature. It is currently raining here. It's been quite heavy here this morning. We have some ducks and some dogs and possibly some cats enjoying in the, the background which is lovely. And I'm here with very, very special guest, Emma. And Emma is the founder of the NGO Awesome Kaching. And Emma's vision is a world in which the autistic community is supported by its families and allies to achieve genuine acceptance, inclusion and active support. And we really want to see that an um, autistic culture and identity is celebrated and nurtured. So her vision with Autism Kaching has set the intention to change the narrative to fit a strength-based neurodiversity view. And ultimately, the goal is to improve long-term autistic mental health and well-being for both current and future generations. Very powerful vision. Emma also has a background as a digital in digital marketing and she's a passionate advocate for neurodiversity and she's doing some pretty amazing things in the community to advocate for autism and mental health and we'll hear a little bit about that in this episode. Um, we met for the first time just recently and we chatted for two hours and it felt like five minutes and we bonded over many things. We drank ice cream tea at the, at the coffee at the cafe here and we just talked and talked and talked and we were both so inspired and generated a few ideas that we can't wait to explore but firstly emma hello and welcome to the podcast good morning hi Laurel. um thank you for having me it's been my pleasure to everyone who's tuning in anywhere in the world thank you for joining us and we also have a sideline special guest in steve has joined us as well Good morning, everyone. It's uh, really interesting to be here. I'm hoping I learn a lot today. Fabulous. So, Emma, I'm so glad that you're here. Steve, I'm glad that you're here as well. And I just want to say that, Emma, I love this quote on your LinkedIn profile. 
In the end, it's your actions, how you respond to circumstance that reveals your character. And there's wise words from an Aussie actress, actor, Kate Blanchett. And I feel that this quote represents you so much. And I wonder if you can share a little bit about yourself and tell us about you. All right. Well, um, as you can see, Narelle, I'm a big fan of Kate Blanchett. Uh, I'm Emma and I am a neurodivergent myself. I am also the founder of Awesome Kuching, a non-government organization. And currently I am on the path of pursuing my bachelor's degree in psychology. I'll be starting October this year. And on a free time, I like to ride my bike to the beach and drink coffee with new people in my life. So yeah, that's a little <laughs> bit about me. Beautiful. So can I start firstly? with a huge congratulations because last week on Friday you launched an incredible project. It's the first ever neurodivergent mural art project in Kaching, Sarawak. And I had the honor to attend the event and to watch you in your full glory as you gathered together 19 adults from the community who you had empowered to be artists. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the project, your vision, and the impact that it's having. All right, thank you so much again for joining us during the launching, Narel. We appreciate your presence. Um, Neurodivergent Mural Art Project uh, brings together 19 neurodivergent artists from multiple organizations Awesome Kuching, Heart Treasure, Pukata School, Kuching Autistic Association. Uh, we, we represent the true meaning of the spectrum, all working together to create a mural that will stand as a symbol of acceptance, understanding and empowerment. We were helped mostly by volunteers too and most of our volunteers are neurodivergent as well. The progress of the mural began on the 14th of December and it ends officially on the 4th of January. We are truly fortunate because uh, to have a talented local muralist as well, Amy Amin, she was the lead muralist in this project. Um, I pitched her with my ideas and she came up with some of the concept together with me. Uh, even though the concept of the mural has been created by Awesome, um, we are, it is a collaborative design, I would say. The theme is nature as you can see last Friday and simply because we believe that nature is good for our mental health. So if you can't you know, take your time to go out to the beach or to the jungle, you can have some coffee or laksa at the Langsan Hotel and enjoy the mural art that we created for you. Um, a little bit about the design. The hornbill is featured in the design to represent Shawa and the bunga kantan is there to honor the traditional food of Orang Ulu. So from the 19th to 22nd, it was the day, four days for all the neurodivergent artists came and worked on their sections. Each individual was given two days to complete their sections, but most of them finished it within a day. Mm. And um, Neurodivergent Mural Art Project is not only an opportunity to showcase the talents of neurodivergent artists, but also an opportunity for us to raise awareness and support for the neurodivergent community. This charity event was a success but because of the support by Telang Usan Hotel and also the support by Place Borneo. The impact of this project is multifaceted. Uh, 
It can bring visibility and representation of neurodivergent individuals, helping to break down stereotypes and discrimination. Uh, at the same time, it can also add color and beauty to a community and foster a sense of inclusivity and belonging. Additionally, it can serve as a platform for collaboration and connection between the artist and the community. Yeah. It's pretty beautiful, very special. And it's on a massive wall in Tulangizan Hotel and both sides. So it doesn't matter which part of the restaurant, event space, uh, the green and the beautiful design is, is enjoyed by everyone. And I'm also, um, you know, at the launch, was really pleased to see that the mayor yeah. was there for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're grateful for the mayor. It was quite last minute when we invited him. And he's a very busy man. And the fact that he came and made some time for us, you know, to officiate the mural art, it, it's been an honor. On top of that, he supports what we advocate about. And we prepared the speech for him. And uh, usually the VIP, they would scrap some parts of the speech if they don't like it. But him, he amplified more and make it more visible for us. So it's an honor and we, we, we're great to know that he's one of the allies for us. Yeah. Yeah, it was very beautiful. And I've got to say, it was an extra special moment when we saw each of the artists receive their certificate and a congratulations handshake, a photograph with the mayor. Yeah. Uh, some of um, your beautiful artists were featured in the local papers yeah, as well, yeah, so it yeah. was nice. I got a particular um, moment of extra celebration for you when I opened the paper the next day yeah. with the Borneo Post and opened to page four and it yeah. was almost a half page, page. spread. Yep, so yep. it was a lot of, lot of attention and yeah. celebration of of the mural, the project, but also you and your organisation as well, which is very, very significant to celebrate the work and the project, but also your your, your vision yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, it was very nice, very nice. Okay, so I want to ask you that the pandemic's raised a lot of awareness, more awareness as a whole about inclusion and mental health. And I wanted to ask you about what you've noticed that is changing or perhaps we aren't acknowledging and it's time to change. All right. A bit deep of a topic. Good question, Nara. <laughs> it took me a while to make my script last night, but thank you for asking. Um, the uncertainty, fear and changes were felt worldwide because of COVID. And the pandemic experience was wide ranging. In some cases, isolating people and causing a disruption to their regular routines. Autistic people were affected physically, economically, socially, and psychologically. Number one, we need to remember that all people are essential and that the government should not discriminate against autistic people and disabled people. People can ensure that the suggestions and policies during pandemic are truly inclusive. We need to create a credible resources and tools that are informed by the autistic community and the disability rights community and make sure that we are using a lens of accommodation. Autistic people need to be consulted in the development of pandemic specific tips and tools offered to the autistic community and for adults specifically. For example, autism tailored information and advice and tips for assessing existing resources. 
Number three, um, people, autistic people need to need continued support, whether online or in person. Many autistic people who did not meet regular support before the pandemic report needing it now, but they do not know how to access the right services. When offering online support, do not assume that everyone's socio-economic status, communication, technology access, or family are the same. For instance, some autistic people may not have access to technology or to private space, or they may experience anxiety on voice or video calls. Phone support may be difficult or impossible for some autistic adults who may want to see the faces of those speaking to them, help them interpret the intent of the communication. Offer different creative and inclusive resources or solutions for those who need more support. Last but not least, I would say it would be positive if because of pandemic, people come together and become more accommodating in general, not just for the disabled community, for example, some autistic people have reported receiving crucial support from within the autistic community as they share their experiences and resources, for example, community care. Others have reported that the pandemic brought a sense of autism acceptance and that accommodations that autistic people have been already asking are now occurring more broadly, such as being able to access healthcare virtually or being able to work from home. One of the things I would want to highlight is that being able to work from home enables disabled people to contribute in the society. So it's about time all these big bosses, stakeholders out there who are listening with us today, think about how you can accommodate to your members at the company. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Really interesting points. Um, I wonder if we can go back to the beginning or back a few steps as well and for those who are listening to this podcast and who are still learning or not too sure or need a reminder what is neurodivergence all right um the term neurodivergent came from the related term neurodiversity judy singer and australian as well mm. oh damn australians making names <laughs> An Australian sociologist coined the word neurodiversity in 1998 to recognize that everyone's brain develops in a unique way. Like a person's fingerprints, no two brains, not even those of identical twins are exactly the same. Describe a person who has a brain or mind that works in a way that is significantly far away from standards made by society, commonly shortened to ND. This includes people with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, learning disabilities, cerebral palsy, or people labeled with mental health diagnosis. So yeah, it's natural diversity in human brains and minds. Yeah, really good. Um, why is knowing your neurotype important? And how can we do this? All right. Um, we talked about this the first time we met, right? Yeah, yeah we and, did. Yeah. It was really, really interesting. Yeah. I loved it. Well, uh, first let's define what we mean by neurotype. Simply put, your neurotype refers to the unique way in which your brain processes information and interacts the world around you. This can include things like how you learn, how you communicate, and how you respond to stress and other stimuli. Mm. So why is it important to know your own neurotype? For one, understanding your own neurotype can help you better understand 
and navigate the world around you, it helps me tremendously. Mm. It can also help you identify and address any potential challenges or difficulties you may be facing. In addition, understanding and accepting your own neurotype can lead to greater acceptance and appreciation of neurodiversity in others. Knowing my neurotype made my relationship with my families and especially my siblings improve so much. Mm. You know, siblings have this kind of hate-love-hate relationship, but now it's all love. Because <laughs> of understanding each other's own neurotype, when we understand and accept our own unique strengths and limitations, we are able to understand and accept the strengths of the limitations of others. Mm. So how can one discover their own neurotype? There are a number of resources available, including online quizzes and assessments, as well as books and workshops on the subject. Additionally, talking with a therapist or counselor who specializes in neurodiversity can also be helpful in understanding and identifying your own neurotype. Overall, knowing your own neurotype is an important step understanding and accepting yourself and in turn, understanding and accepting the diversity of human experience. It's 2023, it's about time that we love ourselves. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I just love how you framed that. And for me, the appreciation of self and how your mind works is really critical. And what comes with that of learning about how you work, how your brain, brain works. We don't often talk about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that means everyone, no matter, no matter what's what. happening for yeah. us. Um, and then what you've raised there, that flow on to others and what that means when you understand yourself, then how you can engage with others, how you come across to others, mm. but also how you knowing you can help others know how they can engage with you. So yeah. it's that to and fro, that give and take, backwards and forwards yeah. relationship. Um, and then, you know, that just mentioning there about knowing your limitations and your strengths and, and accepting them. So it's almost flipping your limitations that they're not seen as a weakness. It's actually seen as areas that um, aren't possible for you or aren't um, need more uh, opportunity to grow. It may take time. Yeah. But still seeing it from a strengths perspective yeah. is um, incredibly beneficial and has a gentleness yeah. to it. Even talking about it has a gentleness yeah. to it. Yeah, because uh, it seems that um, in this increasing climate of like acceptance of talking about mental health, people feel more um, comfortable talking about problems or issues. But actually, it's sort of still very much a negative um, mindsets. I think you made a great point there, Narelle, where just actually by bringing in ideas about neurodiversity, you're actually rephrasing it of being, this isn't actually, something isn't necessarily a problem, it's just how a, a certain person operates. Yep. Mm. Yep. Mm. And when you change the perspective, you change the whole narrative. And how you view it, it, it would elicit from your view. You have to you have to reframe your perspective and use a different lens. And I would say use neurodiversity lens to understand yourself and also other people. And I would say neurodiversity because it's not just for neurodivergence and even for the neurotypicals. Uh, everybody operates differently. It doesn't matter of your neurotype. And 
when you embrace neurodiversity, it enhances the ability to understand and accepting yourself and others. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Incredibly powerful. So, if we could empower teachers to acknowledge neurodivergence, what do you think they or we need to remember? All right. Uh, I would say to teachers that are teaching neurodivergent children at school, thank you, first of all. I would say thank you. And uh, it's not easy or it's not always, it doesn't always happen where teachers chooses to specialize in, in a special education program. So I acknowledge it and thank you for that. Steve, if you are in the future uh, specializing in such area in the future perhaps uh, I would love to be there and support you as well um, if I could empower teachers to acknowledge neurodiversity in general the first thing I would want them to remember is that every student is unique and has their own strengths and challenges it's important to recognize that not all students learn in the same way and that what works for one student may not work for another Another important aspect is to understand that neurodiversity is not a deficit, but rather a different way of experiencing the world. Teachers should be encouraged to see neurodiversity as a valuable asset and to create an inclusive learning environment where all students can thrive. The key word here is inclusivity. In addition, teachers should be trained to recognize the signs of different neurotypes and to adapt their teaching methods accordingly. This can be achieved through regular training and workshops to keep themselves updated on the latest research and best practices in neurodiversity education. Lastly, it's crucial for teachers to remember that communication with the students and their parents is key. Also to parents, communication to the teachers is also a key. You can't expect teachers to communicate all the way for you. Mm. Understanding the students' needs and preferences and working together between teachers and students and parents can help the teachers to support their students better. Most of our time as a children, we spend it at school. So it's very important that uh, the parents have a good relationship with the teachers as well. Ultimately, by remembering these key points, teachers can empower themselves and their students to fully embrace neurodiversity in the classroom. Yeah. Mm. Really nice. Um, I, I love there that we think about we all have gifts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that empowerment comes with understanding we all have a different way of experiencing the world. I think that's beautiful, beautiful phrasing. Um, and what comes that, with that is being valued, that we're all valuable assets if we want to frame it, frame it that way, um, that we can adapt, accept, empower self and others is beautiful okay I want to ask you something from my favorite topic which is self-care and we had a really interesting conversation yeah. about this yeah um, and I wanted to know um, if you would share some of your thoughts about this and particularly what does it mean for someone who is neurodivergent all right um, self-care by definition means making a priority to do things that a person loves to do that make them feel better. The self in self-care reflects on focus on considering what we can do to help ourselves. 
It does not mean that a person excludes other people when caring for themselves. Self-care looks different for everyone and it's not something that is always done in isolation. For some, self-care may mean connecting with others that is getting and giving support. For others, it may mean taking a break from connecting with others. Personally, for me, it's the latter mm. uh, because I do a lot of talking and I do get dysregulated if I go on for a long period doing public relations because I'm a neurodivergent. So what I would do usually um, just to share with everybody that uh, one day before our podcast today, I would have a whole day to myself to prepare myself for meeting new people. Don't get me wrong, I'm excited to meet new people. It just gives me that little bit of adrenaline and anxiety on top of everything. So I would have one very low day just to prepare myself. And after this, I still can go talk to people, no worries about it. But the next day though, it will be my resting day again mm. for me to fully recharge for the next podcast perhaps. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing that I always share with my members or my friends is the first, tip, the first step to self-care is knowing yourself. Mm. So I, I phrase it knowing you. Uh, it's an important part of self-care is knowing what a person's usual or baseline on a typical day. Mm. In thinking about what usual looks like you, take note of how you are feeling in times when you are at your best self. When a person understands their usual self and what is important to them in their day-to-day life, they are more likely to know when something is not right. Mm. This is the time when some self-care may help. It also a time where a person can share about what they need with other people. A few things that uh, I would share is basically writing down a brief baseline information about uh, introduction of yourself. Example, your name, your age and a description about yourself. Your sleep routine, what is your usual waking and sleeping routine. Um, it is true people, sleep is, plays an important part of our life. And it helps us to give our brain a, a break when we're sleeping. Mm. And in relationship, how and when and with whom we usually spend our social time. Interests and hobbies, uh, our preferred leisure activities. How do we stay healthy? And uh, ways of looking after oneself. As For example, your usual hygiene routine. Some people, they don't even notice it when they are not feeling okay. One of the steps is knowing that you did not go shower today because you just don't feel like doing it. So it's important to know what time you usually go shower, to have a routine basically. And your attitude and mood, what is your usual mood and feelings toward people and activities? What um, regulates you and what dysregulates you on a daily basis? So once you have that baseline, it's easier to tell when you're not feeling okay. So, and it helps especially to, to the women, right? And we have our menstrual period every month, right? It helps a lot to see our moods, uh, how our moods shift depending on the weeks of the month. Mm. So yeah, that's one of the steps, knowing yourself and uh, share it with the people that are close to you. Mm. So they can tell if there's something off with you, especially when you don't know it, it yourself, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful thoughts there and contributions. And I love how you've talked about knowing yourself and particularly thinking through moving beyond body 
and also thinking in a, about it in terms of your attitude, your moods, your habits, your yeah. brain, brain breaks. Yeah. That was, brain yeah, yeah, brain breaks. Really nice. And that self-care is relational. Yeah. So it's really interrupting that idea that self-care, the self, is selfish, yeah. that is just about you. It actually is about an awareness of you in order to engage with others. And self-care is relational also because you need others at times yeah. to do, to, to act it, to action it. Yeah. But also others can help you tune in and go, oh, I'm not quite right today. You're right, actually. I'm having a whinge or I'm ruminating, yeah. which I can have those moments. And I need someone like my partner to say, hang on a moment, Narelle, you're just going in this little cycle and to go, oh, yeah, actually, yeah. and coming back to the, the moment. Yeah. Um, so knowing yourself and tuning into what you need and that really fits with the notion of self-care, the actions that you do to maintain, protect and grow yourself yeah. and, and what that looks like. And I think an important area that you've really highlighted as well is that each moment can change and with that comes you can reset you can tune in to what you need in order to be your best remember the key is always self-compassion to be kind to yourself is very important I always use this analogy to my friends especially those that have cute plants at home I say uh, this is proven by research that when you talk positive uh, things to your plants that will grow beautifully, right? And when you say bad words to them or you just throw some negative words towards your plants, they would definitely will not grow and to become a beautiful or bloom in a way. So I usually ask themselves like, so if you can say good things or positive things to your plants, why can't you say it back to yourself? Mm. You have to remember you are a plant as well if you want to put it that way. And you can only bloom and be beautiful if you throw a lot of positive seeds into yourself it's the same to the plant so remember when you talk to your plant remember to mirror back some back to you yeah Mm. i love this it's beautiful last question all right three tips you wish others would consider as we embrace empower, include, and develop our understanding of neurodivergence? A nice big question for you. Yeah, thank you so much for asking this. Um, There are many, but (laughs) (laughs) I will only pick the top, top three that I was always talk about. So number one is uh, autistic acceptance. It's the acceptance of autism and autistic differences and recognizing that autistic people have the right to be and to live their authentic selves. This requires work from the non-autistic community to recognize their own biases and to acknowledge that all autistic people are their own person. Acceptance includes understanding that autism is diverse and embracing it. It involves making autistic voices heard and understand that they are experts of their lived experiences. Second, connecting. It can also help for non-autistic people in an autistic person's life to try to connect with them based on their interests and on their terms. Socializing may be exhausting for many autistic people, 
when they must mask and worry about non-autistic expectations. But socializing may still be wanted. Therefore, it's important that the person can feel safe in being allowed to be themselves, to define their own boundaries and to, to say when they need alone time. Many autistic people spend a lot of their life masking to fit socially or putting extra energy into navigating a non-autistic social situation. Uh, a lot of non-autistic people communicate using most of the time is using either sarcasm or using some metaphors that autistic people may not understand. So it helps if you just be direct because autistic people usually are direct. They, if they like you, they would just tell you they like mm. you. They wouldn't beat around the bush. So it can also be helpful for non-autistic people to try to learn ways to make it safe for autistic people to remove the mask and exist as their authentic autistic self. Uh, it is good to be direct, like I said, about social expectations and boundaries, as well as being honest and openly reassuring about common concerns such as being excluded or isolated. Uh, last but not least, uh, because I'm an advocate and I have to talk about advocating with autistic adults, it can also help when non-autistic people advocate with autistic adults. This means helping an autistic person to express their needs, protect their rights, represent their interests and access services they may need. As one of the advisors said, uh, he, he or she is uh, one of the autistic members as well. She said that I think the most important thing to keep in mind for non-autistic in advocating for autistic is to elevate the voices of autistic rather than speaking over them. So it is important to know when to pass the mic and not to hover the mic to yourself. Mm. Being a good ally means knowing when to pass the microphone to us and non-autistic advocates should also be careful not to advocate for what they believe the autistic person needs and instead focus on what the autistic person is expressing that they need. Being autistic ally can include of some of these following qualities. Number one is uh, understanding autism and mental health in autism context. Challenging ableist attitudes in environments that may continue to be biased against autistic people. Asking the autistic person what type of support they need. Building trust with autistic people. Having patience and accountability in working together with autistic people. Showing assertiveness in representing autistic people, especially fighting the stigma. Having the willingness to learn about autistic people's rights advocacy and the activism history. Viewing advocacy as a partnership with autistic people, not just a solo journey or solo trip. And last but not least, supporting autistic self-advocacy. There are many autistic adults out there that are doing self-advocacy movement where they advocate what they went through growing up and how they finally realized the type of abuse they went through growing up. So it's important to always uh, get your source from the, the person itself, the live experience person itself, because they are the experts, honestly. And even myself being a neurodivergent and on the spectrum, I am still learning a lot about my neurotype and basically embracing and accepting that I am on the spectrum too. And looking back, there are a lot of challenges that I wish I had known that was cause or one of the reason why I was struggling is because I didn't know my own neurotype. So what we hope is that future generations to be more 
inclusive and they would be more aware of their own neurotype. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you, Emma. And you leave us with some parting thoughts there in terms of it's a partnership of inquiry and we're all different. We're all learning together and we're always learning about experiences. Um, and with that comes a appreciation, acceptance and being careful not to make assumptions yeah. as well. Definitely, yeah. You can't tell. There's no way that you can tell someone's neurotype based on how they talk or their walk, honestly. Uh, it all depends on their life experiences. So you only get to know their neurotype once you get to know more about them, especially how they go through some of the challenges in their life. Uh, just take note that all the challenges that autistic people faces, the neurotypical also face it the same. Mm. You know, everybody has their own challenges, right? It's just that for autistic people or even uh, neurodivergent, they are more vulnerable to mental health uh, problems or issues because of how they are wired differently. So yeah, like for example, like uh, I told you, perhaps for a neurodivergent, it's easier to get dysregulated, but neurotypical, they, they have more filter in how they can uh, regulate themselves easier and better compared to a neurodivergent. And I will hope to see that it's changing for the neurodivergent community because um, we definitely would want to be in a better shape and position as well in order for us to move on with our life yeah mm. Mm. thank you emma for joining us and steve as well for this super extra special episode um while we're here in kaching for series seven of teachers supporting teachers um but something i think that um we can all grow from and learn from and particularly when we think about learning about ourselves and then how we engage with others as well and you've provided us with some just beautiful insights in a way that is gentle informative and i hope inspirational as well for those listening um, and i hope this episode is a gift that keeps on giving thank you as well so thank you emma for for joining us Thank you, Narelle. Thank you, Steve, for being here with us as well. Um, I would like to say thank you to Teachers Support Teachers podcast and to all teachers that are about to listen to this podcast. Um, I welcome you on board in embracing neurodiversity and perhaps uh, on the same journey that you're embracing your students' neurodiversity, you will learn about your own neurotype. So it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. Thank you. I hope to be back in uh, Melbourne perhaps yeah. to have another podcast episode perhaps in the future yeah Narelle yeah totally uh, that would be amazing yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you Thank you.